Hey, how are you? Praise the Lord. Welcome back. Uh, we have done Titus uh, uh, chapter 1. We are still on it. We, we did some three verses. And today I want to continue uh, with the book of Titus. I love this book. It is a powerful book. It's an amazing book. Or it's an amazing letter. And, and I want to encourage you to begin to study it, to begin to look at it. Uh, uh, from a different or in a different perspective. Uh, if you haven't read it, please go on and read it. And so we have already established the purpose uh, of Paul and, and the purpose of his ministry. We have established the reasons why he has been, uh, uh, he's an apostle and a slave of Jesus Christ. And, and so today I want us to look at now the next part of the book of Titus. Uh, first of all, uh, it is important to understand who Titus was uh, to Paul and who Titus was to the church in general. And it is said uh, that Titus later on became the bishop of Crete, uh, where he, he was dwelling at the time of the writing of this letter. Uh, Crete is an island today, and it was still an island then. And Paul had gone to that to that island and did some work but he, it wasn't finished and so he left Titus there and now he's writing to Titus and he's saying in verse 4 to Titus my genuine son in a common faith grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Now the timing of the writing of this letter is dated approximately 60 to 65 AD is when Paul sent this letter uh, to Titus, and and um, Titus was in a uh, it was written in a place called Nicopolis. Uh, it was a city or a town, and so Titus received this letter because he was the one left in Crete, and he was a young man. He was inexperienced; he didn't have a lot of experience. And Paul refers to him as my genuine son in the common faith. There are two people that. Paul refers to as sons, and this is Titus and Timothy. That doesn't mean that now this has become, uh, that it became a doctrine for Paul. It was not a doctrine of sonship. And today's generation, we have created a doctrine out of Paul's reference to Timothy and Titus as sons. And so we have a whole new doctrine, a whole new thing where men, many men of God and women of God are referring to many, many people as sons in the faith. Now, in truth, there is nothing wrong uh, referring to people as sons in the faith because we see that kind of relationship between Timothy and Titus and Paul. But there is everything wrong when this person who refers to you as a son begins to control you, to manipulate you, to determine who you will marry, to determine where you go to school, what you study, what you eat, when you eat. You know, now that becomes, uh, it goes beyond the boundaries of sonship. Just because someone is your son in the faith doesn't mean that you have a say in everything about their life. And just because someone uh, is a father in the faith over your life doesn't mean that they, you must always seek for permission from them to do whatever it is that you need to do. This is why Paul is very specific when he's referring to Titus saying, 
my genuine son in a common faith. That is where sonship begins and ends in the faith. It doesn't go beyond uh, other things like finances. Uh, today you find fathers in the faith demanding for finances from their sons in the faith. And you find uh, fathers in the faith who are demanding special treatment from their sons. And so it, it has taken a whole, uh, a whole different uh, thing. Uh, and it's not a doctrine, okay? Because we also have to understand doctrines so that we know what is the right doctrine, what is the wrong doctrine. We have, for example, the doctrine of Christ. That is a doctrine from the book of Genesis. It is one common theme. A doctrine is one common theme from Genesis to Revelation. In other words, it can be seen across the Bible and it's not debatable. We see the doctrine of Christology from the beginning to the end. We see the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, for example, from the beginning to the end. We see the doctrine of angels from the, what we call angelology from beginning to the end. And so there are many other uh, doctrines that have been accepted by the church in general. But also there are other doctrines, in quotes, that are being introduced or have already been introduced into the church. And some of them are the doctrine of prosperity, for example. Prosperity is not as much as it is important. It is not a theme in the Bible. But then there are people who try to create a theme out of it, but it's not a theme in the Bible. The doctrine of sonship, for example. The only uh, teaching about sonship is in regards to us as human beings, us as people, us as the forgiven, uh, forgiven people who have been forgiven our sins by Jesus Christ and our relationship to our Father uh, who is in heaven, our Father God. Then that way, the doctrine or the teaching of sonship makes sense. I am a son of God. You are a son of God. You are a child of God sons and daughters of God, and we are all answerable to God. And therefore, our sonship is in Christ, not specifically to a particular individual, but to Jesus Christ himself. Now, if someone has a problem, or if a father in the faith has a problem uh, with me saying that I am a son of God and not a particular person, then the problem is not me, the problem is that man. And that is the whole idea. That is why there's a lot of uh, control, a lot of uh, manipulation in the church. And many young people are leaving churches today, especially in my nation of Kenya and also in Europe and America. People are young people are walking away from the faith because the faith and the church no longer makes sense to them. Why should I sit and, and glorify one individual, one person uh, as if, uh, this one person is the final authority. Those are the questions that many young people have. But anyway, uh, Paul talks to Titus as a young person. And he says, my son, in a common faith. And so he begins to release blessings upon Titus. And he says, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. This is how fathers are meant to uh, relate to their children. You release grace and peace upon your sons in the faith. Release grace and peace. But then today, 
many fathers are releasing curses and words that do not match a Christ-like character uh, against their sons, calling and labeling their sons rebellious. And, and so, friends, if you are in Christ, if you are a father in the faith, and Jesus is formed in your heart, and Christ, uh, you have Christ fully formed in your heart, it doesn't matter what your son in the faith does, you do not cast them. If Christ is full in you as a father in the faith, then you will exemplify Christ. You will release blessings instead of curses. You will release grace and peace upon those who curse you, upon those who are against you, because you are a father in the faith. But today, there is a lot of pain uh, in many people, many sons and many fathers. There's a lot of pain. And so there are fathers uh, busy releasing curses upon their sons in the faith. And there are sons in the faith busy destroying the characters of their fathers and slandering them. And so I want to say that we may need, at, at this point, we may need time for reconciliation. But both have to have Christ fully formed in our hearts. To Titus, my genuine son, in a common faith, Paul says, grace and peace. So release grace and peace upon your sons. Release grace and peace upon your children. Release grace and peace upon those that you mentor in ministry, upon those that you are raising in ministry. And so today I pray that the grace and peace will be released upon you in the name of Jesus. And verse 5 says, the reason I left you in Crete was to set in order the remaining matters and to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now Paul goes uh, into the purpose of his letter. Why am I writing? But remember, he has blessed his son. And now he says, now this is the purpose for which I left you in Crete. Because, so that you set in order the remaining matters. This tells us that Paul had already begun a work in Crete and there were things that were remaining and he could not fulfill them. And because he could not fulfill them, he had to leave Titus back uh, in Crete so that he is able to fulfill, to set in order, to set in order, to set in order. And the truth is, I think it is time for us in this country to set in order things in the church. I think it is time for us uh, across the world, in fact, to set in order things that need to be set in order. There are matters that are remaining. There are things that are not yet set in order. So Paul understands this. Paul understands structures. He respects structures. He knows that there's got to be structures if the church in Crete is to stand. And so, and you see, this is a, fi this is a funny thing. If Paul understands at, the, at that time that there, there needs to be structures in the church, what are we doing in the church, especially the Pentecostal churches in my nation of Kenya and many other nations? What are we doing? Why don't we have order? Why don't we have structures in the church, leadership? Uh, uh, as Paul is saying, appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Why isn't there a flow of leadership? Why do decisions have to start and stop with one individual at the top? 
These are questions that we must ask ourselves as believers. So he says, I left you so that you set in order the remaining matters. I pray today that whatever matters are not in order in your life, you will begin to set them in order. I pray for you. If there are things that you know deep down in your heart that you need to put in order, begin to put them in order because that is the desire of God. If your life has no structure, begin to structure it because God loves order. Set your life in order and there will be blessings that will begin to flow into your life. This, this is not just something that I'm saying. It is not just something that Paul was saying to Titus. He understood the power of structures. You're married, but your marriage has no structures. You have a family, but in your family there are no structures. Set in order. Put things in order. You have a church, but there is no order in your church. Put order in your church. You have a business that you're running, but there is no order in your business. Put order in your business and things will begin to flow. I pray for you. You see, many of these things are not uh, uh, prayer. Some of the challenges that many of you are facing are not prayer challenges. They are not to be responded by prayer. They are simply to be responded by order, order, order. Order your life and things will begin to align. Thank you. God bless you.